Welcome back to Being Eve. I'm your host, Casey Alexis, and today, ladies, we are jumping into part two of the Church Hurt series with my dear sister friend, Ashley Campbell of Daily Encouragement. So part one was all about the backstory, all about the history. Part two is all about the how, how to heal, overcome, and withstand the hurt of church hurts. And we're jumping right back into Ashley answering the question, did her family, did she and her husband wait too long? Did they stay too long? And ladies, we're jumping in right now back to where Ashley is going to answer that question. Looking back, absolutely. But at the time, because of the things that they were feeding me, I was convinced that I had to stay, right? Because when you, they would use scripture, right? They, it sounds like God, feel like the devil, right? right? They would use God's word to keep you in an oppressive situation, right? So they would say things that you know are true in the Bible, but when you're not paying attention to the impact that the words are having on you, if you're not asking yourself, wow, is this giving life or death, right? Is this stealing, killing, and destroying me? Um, or am I growing in my freedom and my ability to communicate? Am I growing into myself? If you're not paying attention to that, then you will stay way longer. And I wasn't paying attention to that because I was taught to pay attention to yourself in that way was sort of worldly. That was like, you know, uh, if you, how can I say this? Um, you're supposed to die to yourself, right? You're not supposed to pay attention to how you feel because those are your feelings. Those are your emotions, right? You're not supposed to listen to your emotions and how you're feeling about anything. You're supposed to just obey God. And so they used that die to yourself as, as against me in a way, right? I no, no longer paying attention to what was happening inside of me. I was no longer allowed to look inside of me where the kingdom of heaven is, right? That's where the Holy Spirit is. I was taught not to listen to that because that was your emotions and just kind of just do what God says. This is what God said. And, and they were the interpreters. So I never learned to trust myself. So um, they did not allow you, or I guess they stunted I didn't your growth, yeah. that you didn't allow yourself. So I have this book that I wrote entitled The Moral Code, right? Um, and mm -hmm. in the book, one of the things that was revealed to me is the importance of the body of Christ in your walk. Like, mm -hmm. um, for instance, think about the gestational period of when you're carrying, we're both mothers, when, we're, when you're carrying a child, right? Um, and how when that child is in your womb, you are essentially the person that feeds that child. You're nurturing that child while that child's in your womb based upon the, the things that you're putting into your mouth, right? right. Um, and uh, based upon the things that you're putting in your mouth, your child is growing in, the, in a healthy way, based as, as best as possible in, within your own control. Because there are certain things that happen in a womb that's outside of our control, right? But... Absolutely. In that same way, when you become born again, because that's the process, when you become born again and you're born again into this church environment, it's essential that what that whatever they're feeding you is assisting you in your growth. Because at Amen. the end of the day, you don't know any better, right? So right. even though you can say, well, I didn't, it, I didn't make the choice, but essentially how could you make a viable choice if you hadn't been taught? Exactly. That's essentially why it's so important to be a part of a body that is willing to teach you how to hear the voice of God, what mm -hmm. that means, right. the significance of the Holy Spirit within your walk, being right. able to learn how to discern, right? Amen. The fivefold Amen. ministry gift is absolutely important to be taught what that even is, right? Given all the tools that you need to be equipped to have a healthy walk. Granted, you still have to make choices within your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But at the end of the day, you've been equipped. And once you're equipped and you're given the tools and you're making the right choices, you mm -hmm. now can go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. Right. When I say that um, they stunted your growth, that's what I mean in, in regards to you weren't equipped to even no. understand what it meant to discern. No, not at all. Okay. 
And, and I, I, I want to go back to your analogy really quick with the food, right? It's like, you know, how everyone needs education on, you know, what's healthy to eat and what's unhealthy, mm-hmm. right? Like junk food and all that kind of stuff. You got to mm-hmm. be careful with that. And then you've got, you know, the fruits and the vegetables and those kinds of things. Right. That same way, you have to realize how the words that you're living by are impacting you in that way. Right. right? Is, is, this, is this adding health to me or is this, you know. That's exactly uh, it. You have to be able to discern that. And that's why Hebrews talks about, you know, through uh, the use of their senses, they're able to discern good from evil. So you have to teach people to be able to look at their experiences and be able to discern, is this good or evil? Evil meaning, does this steal, kill, and destroy? And is this good? Does this produce life and abundance? Like the Lord says, it's going to happen when I, you know, put in principles and practical wisdom that would produce those kinds of results. I wasn't taught to do that in the church. They were discerning for me. I wasn't given the authority to do it myself. And so because of that, it wasn't until now you're going home. And that's the importance of why everyone needs to be in their scripture, right? Um, Reading their word interacting with God themselves because now you're going home you're you're still studying you're still reading and what you're mm-hmm. reading and you're going to church and it's like it's not adding up so this is why right. it's so important ladies and gents if you're listening to have your own relationship with the Lord and like you said add value right add value to the body of Christ that you're a part of not just taking in everything that the leader is giving you but also to add value as well because if you're in the right place you'll know when you go to service and you're sitting down with this service and you're part of this body you're interacting and you're going home and you're reading you'll know You'll know because everything is adding up. Everything is working out. It's, it's a well-oiled right. machine. It's not perfect. Yeah. There's going to be kings. Right. right. You should feel like the water. You know how Jesus says when you've had his water, springs of living water will flow mm. from that person. You can let your waters flow. If you feel like you're starting to be dammed off or silent or kind of like you're getting all swamp-like, right? When you can't freely give what the, what the Lord has put in you, your revelation, your, you know, when you can't, speak freely anymore that's an indicator that's a red flag you know when you feel like you can't you know uh connect with the people in the church or especially the leadership number one you know there's there there's nobody there that is higher than you in that sense yes they can instruct you but the point is to bring everybody up to the maturity of christ and to where they're at leaders leaders are supposed to bring lead people up right and and help other people see their influence and their leadership and their life and and their ability to make decisions when you feel like you can no longer do that and communicate, and it's like, you know, Casey, you were saying, you know, you see these issues, that's a red flag. You know, you should be able to speak freely, you know, and just be honest. And, you know, sometimes our perception is a little off. You know, maybe we don't have all the facts, but communication is key. And if you feel like you can't communicate in the fellowship you're in, that's a red flag. But that's the thing. Our perception can absolutely be off, right? Because, again, yeah. we're dealing with stuff from our past as well, right? Let's say... Absolutely. If you came in and now all the things that you've had with your parents now are starting to come up to the surface level, because that's what happens when you um, become born again, right? Mm-hmm. When you say that prayer at the altar, that's just the start. But once you start mm-hmm. healing, all those hurts and things that you've experienced as a child and as a teenager and as an adult, depending on when you got saved, when you became born again, it starts to come up to the surface. It should come up to the surface because that's the healing. But Amen. when you when your perception starts to become skewed in those moments, because there are moments when you are going through that time period, those things come to the surface, your perception starts to get skewed and you start to look at people different. That's when you have to, as the Bible says, examine yourself, right? Examine yourself Absolutely. daily. Examine your perception. And if you go to uh, leadership, there's sometimes that perception leads you to sit down with leadership and mm-hmm. they provide feedback to you yes. that essentially doesn't condemn you nor destroy you because Amen. Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world, right? Amen. But to, it, it provides you the feedback you need, not to say it's not going to be hard to hear the feedback, but at the same time, it's going to uplift you mm-hmm. and it's going to show you that, oh, okay, a different side of the, the situation that brings life to the situation. So you don't yes. feel condemned and dead after you yes. talk to the person. It'll do the yes. exact opposite. 
Right. They'll okay. give you the pieces of the puzzle that you made been missing. Right. And and that's important, you know. And and all the stuff we're talking about too, Casey, with you know the childhood stuff. That means we got to be self-aware. You got to be Absolutely. aware of yourself, how you're feeling, how you're processing. And really, really quick, I just want to give you guys a, a quick list of what I realized about myself. Yes, please. Happens. Mm -hmm. So the number one thing I realized about myself was I had no confidence to tell my story without fear of being judged by other people, right? Oh, your church hurt. You know, that's why you don't want to go, right? So I had no confidence in what, you know, the things that the Lord was birthing out of me as a result of even just having to walk away from that situation. But I realized I had no confidence. Number two, I didn't, I didn't trust my husband's leadership and I had mm, realized that. Speak on it. Speak on that. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't trust my husband's leadership. You know, he, he decided that he wanted to take full responsibility for us after all this happened. Okay. Mm. And with his family, but you know, part of me was blaming him for allowing him to even let all this go on for as long as it did. And, uh, you know, when my husband, um, you know, back in 2009, this is kind of the backstory behind the backstory. He had started a roofing company and he'd done all these things. And it was by uh, the encouragement of the church. You know, they were pressuring him, you know, you should start your own business and you should do this and that. And so my husband was, you know, at the time uh, when the economy tanked, he needed to do something to obviously try to get some income. So he started a roofing business. But, you know, and the church was pressuring us and, you know, encouraging us because everyone in the church had their own businesses at the time. So, you know, we were doing these things. And, you know, then over time, as the church was helping us because we started this business, we only made $10,000 the first year. We needed we needed somewhere to stay. And so we were staying with the church while we were building this business. And in the process, you know, um, the people we were staying with would make comments that, you know, your husband's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. You know, he should be having a job and he should do this and he should have that. And I was getting confused because I'm like, wow, okay. Um, I thought that this is what we were supposed to be doing. I knew in my heart, you know, that, that things were happening. Me and my husband had peace with the Lord that, yeah, I start the roofing business, you know. But then they started, uh, um, the way that they were looking at my husband got me looking at him like he wasn't trustworthy. You know, like, oh, well, you wouldn't, why did you allow this to happen? And, and it's your fault that we're living here and all this kind of stuff, you know. So I didn't trust his leadership, you know, because the people were putting things in my head that he wasn't trustworthy. If he, he needs to be doing this. Your husband needs to be doing that. And so I was, everything that him and I had agreed upon up to a certain point, when the church started attacking it, I, I started kind of, there's this uh, divide that happened between both of us. Because right. of that. And I, I didn't really realize it um, until after we left. I didn't realize how much I didn't trust him when he was saying, you know, babe, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, you know, take leadership of you guys. I'm taking care of you guys now. Trust Can him. I go ahead. pause you right there? Because that is such a powerful example of the fact that when you are part of a church body and listen mm -hmm. to this very carefully all of you who are tuned in because that example was extremely important so ashley quick question yep. for you when you and your husband before you guys even got to that particular church how was your life you guys were working you guys yes. were providing for each other you trusted yes. your husband yep Absolutely. You guys were in tune with one another. You weren't rich, but you weren't, you were financially we were, stable. We were. Um, we, we both had jobs. Like I said, me and my husband met when we were 15. Nine months later, I got pregnant. Uh, so when he was 17, he was hustling, looking for a job. We got our own place together one month before I graduated high school. So, girl, I was feeling like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, you know? you're right. I was. You know, we were young. We had our own place. We were paying all of our own bills. Uh, we had no car payment because we bought our own cars, you know, so we were very responsible. Uh, my husband has always provided for us since he was young. He's always had a job. His first job he got was like at Burgerville, like a burger, you know, he started working there. And then he, out over time, he slowly progressed to the next level. So I always knew he was going to take care of us, you know, um, right. and with the whole roofing business, there was things that was even falling into place with that. His dad had just shut his roofing business down, mm. gave us all his supplies. We had all the money, like everything on our side of the equation was lining up and falling into place. Now, I did not think that, you know, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. And I didn't realize that we were going to have to go through this. I trusted him wholeheartedly because I'd been but, with him since I was a kid. Right. But by the time you guys were in the, that particular church, things mm -hmm. started to unravel in that way where yes. now you guys were relying on others to care for yourself. The point that I wanted to kind of highlight to folks is that we always hear that statement to watch your circle 
because yes. your circle impacts the way your mindset and where you want to go. They always say have people around you that uh, you want to eventually want to either become or that influence you to do greater things, right? And so it's the same thing in the body of Christ when you're a part of a body of believers where you're attending a church because that church essentially is a part of your growth. And if you see that you're going backwards in a lot of things Mm -hmm. where, you know, you were in before you got there, you were prospering, you were doing amazing things. And then all of a sudden you are losing people. Okay. You're losing people that are are very important to you. Um, your, your finances are in disarray and disorder. You are Mm -hmm. living in a place of lack Things that are oh, not yeah. biblical, because at the end of the day, we know that the what the Bible says, right? And um, we know that his word says that he will provide for all of our needs according to his riches and glory, that we should be lenders and not borrowers. Of course, you're going to go through specific things in life, but you're not going to always be in a space of lack where now you have everything that you do has to go through these particular people that yes. you're a part like you cannot feed yourself unless they're feeding you you yes. cannot clothe yourself unless they're giving you the clothes because that yes. is that looks like a little jim jonesy you know what I mean? and jim jones is a perfect example of what a cancerous type of an environment looks like um yeah it becomes cultish it becomes cultish yes. and um to, and i just wanted to bring that up so that folks could be mindful of that because your leadership is very important. Whoever you have speaking into your life on a consistent mm-hmm. basis in, in that type of a magnitude of your spiritual walk is very important because you begin you begin to pull in their characteristics. So if they're Amen. a family man and they have integrity, you begin to see that thing start to take place in your own home because they talk and they teach from that place of yes. integrity and in love and family and, and having a good marriage those characteristics now become a part of your characteristics because you're a part of that body. So I just Absolutely. wanted to bring that up. So you could go ahead, Ashley, with the points because that's very important. Yeah. No, it's very important. Pay attention to the fruit of really what's yes. going on. In- yes. Because um, when I look back on it, the truth is everybody in the church was broke, man. I'm not even kidding. And so pay attention to do they, are you able to mimic their lifestyle, to get the results that you're seeking. You better know what you want first in your marriage and in your family. And are they exemplifying those qualities and those characteristics in their life? Are they financially prospering? Are they doing those things you want to do? And they weren't. And I I didn't pay attention to that. That's why people sharing their stories is so important. So ladies, as you tune in, if you're new to this thing and you don't know, take home to these points that Ashley and I are sharing so that you can make better decisions when you go into the church, you guys, you're not, don't go in there as such a blank slate as you don't know anything. The truth is you do know things. Have you had experiences that had evil in your life? Have you felt uh, oppression? Have you had bad relationships? Have you had good relationships? What wisdom can you extract out of each one of those situations, even up to that point before you walk into the church, that you can take into the church with you? And I feel like when people go into the church, they literally drop any type of wisdom they have. Mm. Any type of anything that they have going on, right? If they've had a bad relationship, let's just say you got a woman coming into the church and she's been abused, right? So now she's going to the church because she's looking for for tools. She knows what abuse feels like. But it's like when you go into the church, all of a sudden you just lose everything, right? Don't lose your own discernment from the experiences that you've had up before you go into the church. That is your training ground. So give yourself permission to be like, you know what? I've been through some things. I know what evil feels like. I know what it looks like. And I, I'm in, and you have some good in your life too. So give yourself permission to extract from those experiences, the, the characteristics or the qualities or, you know, how is that person being that destroyed that relationship? So that way, when you start seeing that in the church, you can, you know, be alert to it before it just goes to total disaster. So that's a great know, point. Don't lose it. You're still an adult at the end of the day. Like I, I get that we're spiritual babies but you're still an adult that has a life to live outside of the church. You still have decisions that you're still making every single day. So you got to bring your whole self in that. Look, you have experiences, you've been through things. And so you've got to take that with you into the church because the devil goes to church. Oh yeah. He's he's in there. um, 
I was, I was easily rattled by other people's opinions about me. I was overly concerned with what other people thought of me. So if, if you struggle with that, that's going to, uh, how would you say this? That's going to hinder what you really see going on. If you worry more about what other person says about you instead of what you're convinced of, right? Like we said, don't throw away your discernment that you have up until this point, right? You've been through some things, so don't throw that away just because someone else doesn't agree with it. That's okay. You're street um, smarts. You're, so if, yes. you have, if you were street smarts, bring your street smarts <laughs> into that we're church the, with you. Y'all are because going into a freaking war, man. You gotta I always, be Right. I always say that, like, sometimes when we become born again, we think that um, there's certain characteristics and all that stuff that we completely throw away. We just want that. We want the yes. blank slate. But not understanding that there are certain things that God still wants you to keep because it's a part of your ministry, right? All your experiences are a part of your ministry. Like if you yep. have a personality and you have, uh, you know, you like to crack jokes, crack jokes, be you, you Lord, know, just crack all the jokes, crack all the jokes, be you, but just let him make it holy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So number four for me was, um, I didn't trust the revelations the Lord had given to me. Mm. Uh, what do I mean by that? At the very end of this thing, when I sat at the kitchen table, I asked God to kick me out. I had people calling me saying, Ashley, you just need to apologize, you know, and uh, you just need to, uh, you know, just apologize and go back because the church was hurting in that way. You know, everybody, a lot of people still wanted us there, but I wasn't going back. I knew it wasn't healthy. And uh, I, but I was confused because I, I was still connected emotionally to some of these people because it wasn't everybody in the church. It was just a couple of people that was the leadership that was destroying it. There was some amazing other people. There was some gold in that church with people, you know, and I was still wanting to be connected to them, but I knew that I had to completely walk away from everything. So my best friend at the church, she had called me because I had called her the day it happened. I was in tears and she goes, come on, Ashley, you just need to apologize and just come back. And I was confused. And one day it was like the Lord said to me, Ashley, are you talking to the air when you pray to me? And I'm like, uh, no, Lord, I'm not talking to the air. So it's like, okay, when are you going to, you know, walk in the things you've been praying about and then and look, paying attention to these answers? Like, when are you just going to make a decision? Like, are you, are you talking to the air or you really believe I'm speaking to you? So I had to make up my mind at that point. Am I just going to go with what I knew in my heart? The Lord was leading me out. Or am I just going to go back because I feel bad or it's, it's pressure from somebody else? And I'd lived like that for a long time. So mm. at the time, though, I'd realized I was really struggling to trust the revelations that the word had given me. Mm. And the other thing was I did things out of compulsion and not obedience. I'd done things that were contrary to my conscious will. And so that is another indicator, too. You know, uh, but that's can you how explain I was that? Can you explain or give an example of what you mean by that? Okay, so just for example, when we were in the church, we were required, if you had a couch, you had a ministry. So that meant if there was a guy who had just gotten out of the church for being a sex offender. Of jail. He just got out of jail. Just got out of jail, sex offender. You've got seven kids. Oh, I think at the time I had six, five kids, six kids. No, five kids. Excuse me. I got seven total, but I had five at the time. And uh, if, if there was a guy who was getting out of jail or whatever, and he needed a place to live and he was a sex offender. If you didn't let the guy sleep on your couch, you weren't trusting God. No child back. <laughs> what? I'm serious. Yes. So I was like, well, I trust the Lord. So I proved that I trust the Lord by allowing people to stay at my house that I knew in my heart. I'm like, I really don't want them to stay here, God. But if this is what I'm supposed to do. So I went against my own judgment constantly because this is what it means to serve people. And this is what it means to love the broken. You know what I mean? How those little churchy things that we say to like, you know, be extra loving to people. And I'm not saying don't do those things. Like you, whatever. But there's there's a context. There's an environment. Like the point is, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to bring those types of people into my house. I didn't feel equipped. And I just didn't want them around my kids straight up. You know, I'm not, I'm not judging that person, but I was not the person that could help them. How about we find the guy who's been there, done that, who can help this guy? Because there was nobody in the church that even had that experience. That's another thing, right? This, this, these people needed to be with people that God had recovered their lives, that they could relate to being through that and getting some tools that way. So I, I didn't feel, I didn't, I didn't want to do it. I didn't feel qualified to do it. I didn't have the tools. I didn't understand that because I had never been there. I didn't have the mindset. I never molested children. You know what I'm saying? So how am I going to help and minister to somebody 
through an experience that I'd never even been ministered out of myself because I'd never been there. And I didn't want to be in that place. However, because there was so much pressure from the church, you know, in that way, if you, if you want to be a part of this church, this is what you have to do. That was the other thing. They had this mindset of, we are the church. We are doing things right. This is the way you do it. All the other churches out there are, you know, just kind of living by this, uh, what did they used to say? Uh, fuzzy gospel, you know, um, you know, abuse God's grace, do whatever you want. They're like, no, this is what it means to serve God with all your heart. And I already told you guys, I wanted to serve God with all my heart. So if that's what it looked like, I would do it, but I didn't want to do it, but I did it because I wanted them to accept me and I didn't want to be abandoned by people, you know? So I was trying to hold on to my relationship. So that's what I mean when I say, you know, I, I did things out of compulsion and not obedience, you know? Right. When you serve God, he does, you are not serving him contrary to your conscious will. God will, will bring things into your life that you're on board with, right? Things that you're passionate about, things you want to do. God doesn't make you use your will against you. That's not the way it's supposed to work. We're, we're supposed to serve him freely, right? And so, you know, and sometimes the Lord may call you to do something that you don't feel comfortable with, but, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely like, stuff out of your comfort zone all the time, but it's going to align with the the truth of his gospel is right, going to right, be like, in right, order. Right. It's going to be in decency and order. He's not going to tell you to do the, anything that is contrary to his spirit. Um, right. and, and the fruits of the spirit, like joy, peace, kindness, all those things that is required yeah. that when you're doing something for God, you have, you have as you're doing it. Right. Um, it's not, anything contrary to that like chaos and confusion like bringing a sex offender right. into your home right yeah trusting your own judgment. if yeah, you right. don't want to do it you don't have to do it god will never make you do something you don't want to do Absolutely. and even if right. even you know, even if it is something like for me i didn't want to step out and do a life coaching series because i was scared i knew i could do it but i was scared to do it because i didn't want to fail that's different and god will even give you the grace to work through that too so you got to trust your relationship with the lord so much where if you're like feeling apprehensive about something that's okay. God will walk you through that to Absolutely. equip you. Amen. So you feel confident. God wants you to be confident. So if you're not feeling confident, work through the insecurities. Don't just make a decision because you're trying to get the approval of the people outside of you instead of the validate, you know, letting God give you that courage that he's going to give you. Uh Hey there, ladies. I wanted to take a short break just to update you all on a few things and let you know what's going on in the Being Eve world. So many amazing things are transpiring and I want you ladies to make sure you tune in next week, Tuesday and Thursday for an update of what's going on. First, these episodes are going to be life-changing. I'm decreeing it and declaring it right now. Two life-changing episodes next week, Tuesday and Thursday. And you ladies are going to want to make sure you tune in. I have a very special instant access gift for those of you who tune in on Thursdays. So make sure you tell your sister friend to be here Tuesday and Thursday next week, tuning into Being Eve to get instant access to the life-changing episodes that are going to be released, okay? And after that, just wanted to let you know Being Eve is going to take a short break. That's right, I will not be releasing any episodes for a couple of months, but I will be back July 2020. Why am I going on this quick break? Well, ladies, Hmm, drum roll, please. Do, 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 do. <laughs> the book that gave birth to this podcast is going to be released in that time frame. That's right. Being Eve in an Adam's world is going to be released this summer. Okay, 2020. And so I will be around, but I just won't be releasing any new episodes. So make sure you all tune in for that because I want my ladies, my core audience to get access to this book, this life-changing book that gave birth to this podcast and I can't wait for you all to get your hands on it so ladies make sure you tune in next week Tuesday and Thursday for those amazing episodes that's going to be released so you can get access to that gift that I have for you on Thursday and also make sure you keep your eyes open and your ears open for the updates on being Eve 
in an Adam's world. Ladies, this year is still going to be the most amazing year of our lives. We just have to refocus, be in tune, and watch God work. So let's jump right back into the episode. Um, those were the biggest main things. You know, I had no confidence to tell my story. I didn't trust my husband's leadership. I was rattled easily by other people's opinions. I didn't trust the revelations the Lord had given me. And I did things out of compulsion and not obedience. So that was the, those were the main things that were kind of coming to me as um, we decided, you know what, we can't be here anymore. And so I was like, you know, what? I got it. Lord, these three areas of my life need to be recovered. You know, I have to be able to be confident. I have to trust my husband's leadership. I cannot live as a slave to other people's opinions. I need to walk in what I'm convinced of that God's doing in me because the kingdom of heaven is in me. And I need to be able to do things out of complete obedience and live in my conscious will and make decisions that I know the Lord wants me to make and just walk it out. And I wanted to be that type of person. So, but I had to recognize the barriers that were kind of in between me and who I knew I wanted to be in the Lord. I had to just take inventory of that and say, God, how did you change these things? So, okay. So how did that healing process, what did that look like? Because um, that's a lot. That's a lot, especially within your marriage, right? Um, that's your foundation of your home. Um, so yes. what did that look like for you? Because I know you're still healing from it even to this day. Um, I know for me, you know, when you interact with Christians and um, you've had a, a negative interaction with them, sometimes it's tough to trust Christians again. Sometimes, it's because sometimes they could be worse than the people in the world. Like, you know, they <laughs> behave or do. And the hurt is more impactful because you you're assuming that when people say that they're christian it automatically comes with this whole abundance of love and butterflies and singing and praising the lord when in fact it it can be the complete opposite so what did your healing process look like to the point now you can trust um other believers again um you can trust to have new relation, newfound relationships with sisters in, in Christ. How did you get there? Amen. And, and you know, that's, that's another little note I want to make on that. You guys, I feel like healing is always going to be a process, even in life. It's just going to look Amen. a little different on a deeper level. So Amen. don't ever feel like you're not qualified to tell your story because you're still in a healing process. Healing is life, man. So just get comfortable with being uncomfortable and growing and that still tell so your true. story no matter where you're at. So don't ever that be ashamed so to tell it because you're not healed like fully or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So what did I have to realize? Well, number one, I need some boundaries in my life. Um, I didn't even know what boundaries were. Uh, I didn't even know like what the function was. Um, I had talked to my cousin about these things that were going on and she kept telling me, Ashley, that is not healthy. Well, guess what? I didn't trust other people outside the church because my church was the one that was doing everything right. And so, you know, after all that stuff happened, I realized that burden that was on me. I had to realize, okay, maybe God is trying to tell me something. I had heard about that book boundaries for a long time. I was like, mm-hmm. you know what, what are boundaries? How can I get those established in my life? So I had to start figuring out this whole boundary thing. How do I stay in my lane, Lord? What are my responsibilities? How do I need to grow as a person? So that was the number one thing I needed to get some boundaries in my life. I needed to figure out what that was. Um, number two, I needed to give myself the permission to do what I knew in my heart that I needed to do. Number one, I knew I needed healing. However, the healing process wasn't going to look like what most people would prescribe, right? Go to another church, right? That was, that sounds harsh, but it's true. At the time, you know, um, the only reason I was going to go to a church was to validate that I was still loving God, not because I was going there to, you know, kind of recover myself. It was just more of a validation that I was looking for again. Mm -hmm. And I had to just give myself permission to say, you know what, you need to be healed and it's going to look different because my only motive was to be validated. So to me, that was already a red flag. What are you going to do, Ashley? You're going to go right back into the same pattern that you just got out of. So mm-hmm. I had to be real with myself in that way. And, uh, you know, I had to learn that I, I needed to uh, be able to do what I needed to do in my heart without fear of judgment, criticism or condemnation. Um, I needed to honor the truth in my own heart. I needed to evaluate why um, I would... Uh, you know, like I said, why would I go to another church? What was I really seeking? Right. And uh, because when I went to it, actually, let me back it up really quick. So all that stuff happened. Three, three or four months later, we got invited to go back into a church. So we went to this church. It was a really, really big church. And, um, you know, when I got there, um, 
everybody was like very much to themselves in that way. And usually I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty outgoing person. I love connecting with people, but um, I was in, I was in a lot of pain and um, I just wasn't getting what I needed at the time. I really needed someone to kind of pour back into me. I needed some space. And uh, I, I just, you know, I got there and I was like, you know what? I don't want to, I can't be here right now. And I needed you to give myself ready. I wasn't ready. Right. And I had to be like, you know what? It's okay to not, you know, be in a formal church setting and a building, right? It's like, I need to give myself space for that recovery place to happen. And so again, I needed to do what was in my heart so I could, you know, get over the fear I had of other people and the implied disappointment God would have with me, right? Um, I had to learn to be comfortable with my own honesty and no matter what, while I was, um, you know, still a sinner, Christ died for me and that there's absolutely nothing that I can do um, or, you know, that would separate me from God, right? Um, I had to really learn that, um, that um, there was nothing I could, you know, just because I wasn't in a church immediately right afterwards, God wasn't going to be mad at me. He wasn't going to be judging me. Um, I had to learn how to get comfortable in my relationship with God, being honest with the Lord. Like, you know, Lord, I don't want to be at a church right now. Okay, fine, Ashley, that's fine. You don't have to be. Don't, you don't feel like you have to put all these things on yourself right now. You know, so I had to get comfortable with that. Um, I needed to learn to accept unconditional love by making up my mind that I wasn't going to do what I deemed to be acceptable to be accepted by the church. I based my acceptance of God through the acceptance of the church. And that was the other biggest, you know, I had made the church a huge idol in my life because every decision that I had ever made went through the church. It went through the people, you know? Um, and so I had externalized my relationship with God outside of the people around me. So now because these people had really become God to me in that way. And that's mm. why, that's what happened with that. Um, and so I had to realize that, wow, I've made these people my God. And uh, how, how would you know that whoever you answer to, okay. If you're answering to people out of fear, and out of, you know, um, like I said, fear of being con condemned or shamed, you know, that's not the Lord because that's not God's heart. So I had to kind of relearn that dynamic by just, you know, sort of disobeying the typical Christian prescription, go back to a church and just sort of go through the motions. I was like, I can't do that right now. I, I really need to learn to trust God's unconditional love and that he's not going to condemn me for making a free choice at this matter, which is I'm not going to go to a church right now. I need to recover, recover myself. That was, that was a, that was a big, a big deal for me is just being able to um, give myself the permission to learn and accept God's unconditional love. And uh, the other thing was, um, have you, like I said, who have you made your God? Okay. You know, do you carry the spirit of fear? You know, what, what's your relationship like with, um, with yourself and the people out there, like I said, if you are not giving yourself the space to make a free choice, then you already know you've got some work to do. And that was the biggest thing is the Lord had to deliver me from a spirit of fear. He says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And I was like, mm -hmm. I'm so scared, God. <laughs> like, I'm so scared to go out and just, you know, do the things I need to do or recover the way I need to. Because when I would tell people I was doing home church, they would say things to me like, oh, well, you should come to my church. So then that would make me feel worse. Like, oh, I must be doing something wrong, you know? And I was like, I can't keep making decisions based on what other people think I should be doing because I'd done that my whole seeking life. So, you know, I had to, I had to ask myself that question. Who have I made my God? Who am I answering to? Um, and then uh, how, how did I see God? Did I see him as a, a burden or a burden lifter? Do, do we see God as somebody who just wants to oppress us and control us? Because I feel like a lot of people, when they come into the church, they have that mindset that God is just going to take everything away from you. And you're going to hate your life or you're not going to have any fun. You're not no joy. You're just going to be a slave to whatever this almighty God wants you to do. And you're going to hate your life. And I was like, Lord, I know that's not your heart. Like, seriously, I don't even know how I got to this place. But um, I had to really take a hard look at that. How do I see the Lord? He says that. What's that scripture, Casey? His uh, yoke is easy and his burden is his light. Bur his burden is light, yeah. And so if you have a burden on you, you got to understand, you've got to get that burden off of you and you have to let God be the burden lifter. And it's that wrestling process of, you know, looking at your motives. Okay, why are you doing that? Are you doing it to get approval or accepted by other people? If you are, that's already a red flag. You know, just stop in your tracks right there and say, God, give me the courage to live out what's in my heart of what I know I need to do. And sometimes let's just take a step back. So I started getting these boundaries in my life. I started realizing how um, I had been treating my relationship with God, you know, as far as I'd made the church God instead of him. You know, when you're, okay, think about it like this. When the Israelites were in Egypt, right? Pharaoh was considered a God, literally, okay? So the people there had had this image of God 
like I think they knew God, but God was this way to them through how Pharaoh treated them because Pharaoh was a God. Now, when they, and obviously, I mean, come on, they were in slavery, right? They were being abused, you know, but they're, you know, so they had this view of God. This is what it looks like, you know, and they're crying out to God. God sends Moses to deliver them. So now they're getting delivered. They end up going through the wilderness. And it's like, they had to learn all over again who God was in relationship to them without the noise of the outside world. You know, and I had to let, I've had to let myself go through that wilderness process that, you know what, God, I have to redefine who you are to me. And it's not based off the experience of the slavery that I had in Egypt and what everyone else was saying, who God was. And this is God, because think about it. They were in that culture. Pharaoh was God and this is what it was. And this is who God is. So you have to get comfortable in your own relationship. You know, who is God to you in that way? You know, do you see him as a tyrant and not super oppressive? Or do you see him as, you know, the burden lifter and the life giver? So you've got to get that established inside of yourself, or you're always just going to be walking around, you know, just burdened and enslaved. And so, um, you know, I had to go through that process of who is God to you, Ashley? How do you see him? And if you do see him in any type of oppressive way, I had to ask God to help me think about it in a different way. So I could see him as he truly was, because at the time I did see him as a, you know, oh, Lord, you just want to, you know, make my life hard. And this is always going to suck. And it's always going to be a burden or I'm always going to be broke or, you know, my relationships are always going to be hard or I'm going to have to stay with people that I don't want to stay with. I, I always saw it as just a burden. And so you have to really get honest with God and, and don't think he's going to be mad at you because that's where the freedom is really going to start is when you start being so honest with him about those things that you think that he is to you, that he really isn't. That is so special because um, that example is such a great example of what our process looks like, right? Um, the wilderness experience, because they mm-hmm. had to unlearn everything that they had learned. And yes. um, they had to experience God for themselves and how he is a mm-hmm. way maker and yes. how he is... Um, he is a he he provided for them during that time. And you know, that's where yes. all the, the names and characteristics were formed, like Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah yes. Jesse, Jehovah Shalom. All of those yes. came from that time period of when they were in the wilderness and God would show different sides of himself to his people so that they knew who he was. Another great example that I wanted to share with you, ladies, is this is why it's so important to engross ourselves in the word um in the gospels. In the New mm-hmm. Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and mm-hmm. the Acts, and all of those uh, books, because we learn from Jesus himself mm-hmm. how we should embrace and look at God based upon how he embraced and looked at God. When the disciples asked him, Lord, how should we pray? He said, mm. uh, he started out and said, our father. And mm-hmm. I'm getting emotional because mm. God is our father. Yes, we call yes. him, but he, his characteristic is that of a father and not a yes. father in the way we know fathers to be on this earth because, you know, dads are human. They make mistakes, mm-hmm. but he is a perfect father. So if you have an idea of what it would be like to have a perfect father, that's who mm-hmm. he is to us all. A dad who loves and protects and provides and guides Mm -hmm. and oh, like he wants to stimulate your growth. He wants to Mm -hmm. give you a legacy, a hope, Mm -hmm. a future. That's Mm -hmm. what dads do. They empower their children to be able to grow. They give them what they need in order for them to make the right decisions. That's what a dad is all about. So think of it like that our mm-hmm. father and he's not he's not here so we say our father who art in heaven right yes how will be thy name thy kingdom mm-hmm. come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven so what it is that you want from me god that you see mm-hmm. right in that other plateau that's in heaven have it here for me on earth let your mm-hmm. will be done in my life the way that you desire it to be it is such a great example, ladies, to just allow God to reveal himself to you in that way. And a dad yes. that reveals himself to you in that way, you will never feel forsaken, even in the worst circumstances, situations, because he will be there with you, guiding you through the transition, through the healing, through uh, the growth pains, right? Everything that you experienced yes. actually after you left the, the church and through your church hurt. He'll be there mm-hmm. to comfort you and say, you know what? 
I'm sorry that this happened to you, but I need you to learn from me now. I need you to see me now. I need you to understand me now. And once you do that, you can now begin to get back in it, right? Get back in it. So wish for you to get back in it in the way that you get back in it. And he'll guide you to that, that church home. And I think I want to clarify this as well. When you said home church, Mm -hmm. church is supposed to start at home guys. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Speak on that one. It's supposed to start at home. Like it's not supposed to be built on the sole factor of going into a building every Sunday. And that's the only place that you eat. Um, mm-hmm. This is why, you know, I, I made the statement like there's no longer celebrities in the, in the body of Christ in the way that Christ was, is the only person that we have to go through in order to get to God. He's our right. mediator. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like when we think that it's our church body is the only place we are supposed to eat, it creates that idol type of a relationship that makes you feel that you can't get to God unless you are touching your pastor in some way or he's <laughs> teaching you or you know um you don't need to sacrifice animals anymore you don't need to do those extra steps in order to get in contact with him it is simply our father right and i just Amen. wanted to make mention of that because i know that our churches have all of these things programs for the youth and kids and all this other stuff but it's supposed to start at home first. When your kids go to church, it's just supposed to be a confirmation of what's already mm. being taught at home. Amen. Um, when they praise the Lord, they already supposed to be happening at home first. And when they go to church, they're just praising the Lord with other believers. Amen. It's, your church home should not be the only place where you're getting fed opening the Bible up at home, your husband leading and doing Bible study. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to happen. Um, it's not supposed to just solely be at church. Now I understand if your husband is not in the faith, you know, you go to church to get your, your food, but you as a mom, right? Timothy was an, was a disciple that Paul, you know, shared with him, Hey, you know, your mom, you have the same faith as your mom and your grandmother. So mm-hmm. obviously there was no mention of his dad. So obviously he was being taught by women. You know, the, mm-hmm. the things of the gospel. So, yeah, if you don't have a husband or you're a single mom, still instruct your children at home. Do Bible studies at home. Have mm-hmm. praise and worship sessions at home. Amen. And when you go to church, they get that other aspect of being a part of uh, a larger body. You know, because we don't want to forsake the assembling of each other and all that good stuff. So I just wanted to add that. Absolutely. And it's like, what are the qualifications? What does the qualification say? I don't remember where in the Bible, like maybe Titus or something like that. But mm-hmm. it says a man has to be able to order their own home before the church. Yes, and absolutely. So, absolutely. And so if that's the qualities that even the church members have, it's always, it's just that picture of things starting at home um, first, always. you know, always. and being comfortable with that, you know. Always. And uh, the other thing really quick, I want to you know, share with you guys is the whole idea of, you know, as I was realizing these certain things about myself and started going through this process, um, I had to ask myself, you know, and I want you guys to ask yourself, you know, how do you see yourself as an adult that is capable to make decisions with the wisdom formed, you know, by God's grace in your life? Are you able to do that? Or are other people responsible to make a decision that only you can make? You know, it's like, have you learned to integrate God's grace into your life, into the hole of shame that he found you in? And are you able to, you know, be confident that that is enough? You know, that because I think a lot of times people think that they have to be a certain way in the church and look a certain way. Or like, you know, you brought up single mothers. You know, what's their perspective of being a single mom? Are they feeling shamed or, you know, pe- people got real stuff going on in their life. And mm-hmm. so, you know, have you learned to get comfortable with yourself, knowing yourself? you know, who you are and the things you've been through and have you really let God's grace penetrate you in such a way that, you know, you now see the value that you can offer in your life through those experiences you've had. Okay. So what if you were a single mom or you've had, you know, those things that have happened, you still have a valuable wisdom to give to other people and other women who maybe have gone through that situation. Maybe God's recovered you in a, in a healthy way. So if you haven't been recovered by God's grace in that way, you know, um, you've really got to get that down first. So that way, when you go to the church, you um, you feel like you have something to give. And then if you do get offended, right, if something happens, 
um, you still understand that, wow, okay, we're all still human here at the end of the day, you know? So it's like realizing you have a unique story and experiences and that God is inside of you and wants to help you harvest this inner wisdom, right? That will heal, heal you first because we cannot coach someone out of a season of life that we haven't been coached out of. And then you can go ahead and give that process and that healing to other people, you know, in the church. And um, anyway, so I'm trying to remember exactly that. how that, you know, I think that's really, really important too with people to realize right. you've got to get the God and grace of God inside of you first. If you're going to the church and you're just still feeling defeated and you have a relationship with God, like get, get that worked on. Don't be content with just, you know, that sort of oppressive, oh man, God, okay, this is what you want me to do. Just go here. And like, like a robot, don't be a robot, you know, yes. be real with the Lord in that way. Essentially it's life, it's yes. life thriving. Um, yes. And the, it's not just going through the motions y'all because yes. you know, God did not send his only begotten son to die upon the cross and do all the things that he did and resurrected on the third day just for you to barely survive. Yes. And that's also with your relationship with him. It needs to go beyond the Sunday morning or the Saturday day when you when you worship him, right? When you gather Absolutely. up with other believers. It's an everyday thing. And that's the only way we're going to be able to thrive in this thing called life, even when we're going through certain circumstances or situations, even mm -hmm. when we're going through a certain healing process that is not pretty, that when we in, we are in contact with him on a daily basis mm -hmm. and we are speaking with him and there's a relationship, right? A, a love that's in this interaction, we can go through those circumstances. We can go through that healing process and continue to thrive through it. Because mm -hmm. he said, I did not come into the world to condemn the world. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So there is a process that we're all going to go through, but he's showing us the through the process we can overcome because he overcame. Amen. And, you know, I, I was thinking about something else, Casey, when, you know, you, you brought up the fact, you know, maybe a lady, a woman has a husband that's not a believer. I think we got to protect that in a sense, too, because there was something that brought them together. Um, and the, and I think sometimes the enemy can use that even against the wife. And then all of a sudden you can start to create your own division in your home because, you know, regardless whether you've seen it at the time, you know, there was a reason that you picked that man. And so, you know, ask yourself, OK, Lord, you know, what what qualities does this person currently have? Because I think sometimes, um, you know, if you go into the church and uh, I, I only speak from experience from, you know, another Bible study I was a part of. There was a woman there. She's been married to her husband for like 40 years. And he wasn't a Christian and she would get really upset about that, but she still wanted to be married to him. And I'm like, well, you know, if the Bible even talks about, you know, if you guys want to stay together, you know, that's fine. And so it's just like, you know, keeping the connection in a sense, why are you with this man? What brought you together? Can you, because can, I get what I mean is if you focus on what he's not doing, like going to church, the enemy will use that to attack the relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know what I'm saying? So you have to kind of be able to realize, wait a second, what drew me to this person? What character traits do they have? How can we cultivate our marriage and cultivate, you know, this, whatever you're trying to do, like, okay, if the Lord needs to be in it, obviously, but you know, what do we need to be cultivating in our marriage so it can continue to thrive? So that way the whole, oh, my husband's not a Christian, doesn't get used against me in such a way. So now you're creating your own division in your home just by Absolutely. focusing on the fact that he's not a Christian. Absolutely. It goes back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Yes. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love, is, love does not envy. It does not boast. Love forgives. All those qualifications that love talk, that the Bible says love is, is exactly what you extend to your spouse when he is going through his own thing. Because at the end of the day, the same grace and mercy God had on you. When mm -hmm. you didn't know him and you was running around wild, right. you have to have that same grace and mercy and compassion, extend that towards your husband as he goes through his own life situation of coming to know the Lord. And I'm speaking from experience because I was 
very much like what you explained, Ashley, where I allowed the enemy to bring dissension and division mm-hmm. into my home because I wanted mm-hmm. him to be saved so bad that mm-hmm. it brought chaos and confusion because I was operating from a religious standpoint of rules and regulations rather than operating in love, grace, and mercy and extending Amen. that love, grace, and mercy towards my husband until he worked his salvation out with fear and trembling. You know what I mean? I was just like, mm-hmm. do what I need you to do. And that's right so that's a great point that's a great point thank you for bringing that up I I wonder if if a lot of people go through that when they go into the church because they realize the imperfections in their relationship and so now you feel like you got this pressure for you guys to both look a certain way and I bet at the end of the day you still loved your husband and wanted to be with him but maybe you didn't want to be condemned by the church because he wasn't like, you know, like full blown going hard for Jesus the way all these other people were. But there was still something about that man that drew you to him. You still loved him. But it was like, OK, if I expose the fact that he is not where you guys are, how are you going to treat me? You know, is there any shame that goes right. on maybe with people who aren't doing exactly in that way? You know, so just like freeing people up to, you know, if you still are, if you're married to somebody who doesn't know the Lord or is struggling if you still want to be married to them, then give yourself the grace to say, it's okay to stay in this marriage. And right. Lord, so how, how can we work this out? You know, and that way it doesn't become a, 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 a tool for the enemy to destroy, you know, and he'll do it all, all in the name of Jesus too. What do people need to do to begin this journey? Number one, identify your greatest pain in your life. Number two, ask God what caused it. Number three, keep your eyes open to resources he brings your way. Books, YouTube videos, people's stories. We are all God's grace in its various forms. So be open to it. God's going to give grace to the humble. So, you know, whatever, you know, what be open to the, the people and the, and the things he's going to bring in. Some books that I'd read, Boundaries, Changes That Heal, How People Grow. Those are some resources that the Lord used powerfully in my life. And then um, the last one here, you know, ask yourself what you want And are you willing to do the work? Are you willing to get free from the victim mindset? Are you seeking empowerment? Are you taking steps daily, you know, to change your thoughts, change your life? So those are some four things that people can put into their mind and ask themselves these really tough questions so they can get down to the bottom of it and start living from the place of grace and redemption that they have from the soil of their own life and really be utilized in the way that God wants to use their life. So. Thank you for those take action items. I love that. Thank you so much. This was such an amazing conversation, Ashley. I appreciate you. Now that we are at the end of conversation, I always ask this on every podcast episode that I do because the podcast is entitled Being Eve. And in so many ways, we can relate to the first woman that walked the face of this planet. So Ashley, what is one thing that you can find in common with Eve's story? Mm, the number one thing that I can find in common with, with Eve's story is when you know the truth and someone on the outside of you comes to you and says, that's not, that's not what God said. You know, mm-hmm. Eve, when the serpent approached her, he said, did God really say? And she goes, yeah, God, you know, said that we can, you know, eat this tree over here, but we just can't have that one or touch it or at least we'll die. She knew the truth to a degree and she knew it so much enough to even correct the serpent. But when he came to her, with, you know, this appearance of having this knowledge that she didn't have. She, she threw away everything she was convinced of because, you know, for some reason she didn't really know it. And so I can relate to that. I can relate to knowing the truth and then someone on the outside coming to me and telling me that it's not, and then feeling that doubt and that insecurity, you know? Mm. And so that's how I can relate to Eve in that way. Amen. I love that. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for joining me and having this amazing conversation. Can you tell the people where they can find you? Because you have your podcast called Daily Encouragement. So let the people know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you guys, I've got uh, my podcast, Daily Encouragement with Ashley Campbell. It's on all the you know big platforms, iTunes, Google, Spotify. And then I have a, a Facebook page, Daily Encouragement with Ashley Campbell. Um, I do a live video on there every Friday, Food for Thought Friday. Um, you know, it's another way to kind of actually see me in person. And, uh, you know, I just talk about some different things that, you know, you know, different revelations or try to encourage you guys with things that God's been encouraging me with. And then I have a YouTube channel, Daily Encouragement on YouTube, where my husband and I go live at six o'clock p.m. Uh, Pacific time, by the way. And uh, we, um, you know, just uh, sh- he shares with you guys the things that he's been talking to us about because we still do home church. And so, you know, we share that with everybody on Sundays. 
And uh, so, yeah, those are the three. Oh, Instagram too, daily encouragement uh, underscore Ashley. So you can find me on Instagram as well. So those are the, the platforms. I don't have a website yet, but I've got some stuff out there. You guys can find me. Thank you so much, Ashley. This has been an amazing conversation. And ladies, you will find all of Ashley's links in the show notes so you can keep in contact with her and tune into Daily Encouragement. It is a powerful podcast and I know you all will love it. Thank you, Ashley, for joining me on this amazing conversation on Church Hurt. Absolutely, Casey. Well, ladies, thank you for tuning in. I hope this episode blessed you as much as it did me. Before we depart, a quick reminder to head on over to the show notes where you will find all the info to keep in contact with being Eve and to learn more about our guests. Make sure to let them know being Eve sent you. Last but certainly not least, ladies, don't forget to review, share, and subscribe. This is your opportunity to let the whole world know where we gather for absolutely free. As always, ladies, please continue to love, live, and thrive without losing the authentic you.